All right, here we go. Second hour underway. In our next hour, you'll have a chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Eagles on October 12th at Gold One Center. For tickets and more info, go to khdk.com. Also, later this hour, about 30 minutes away from being joined by Greg Vaughn, former Major League Baseball player, get his insight on the final 10. We're down to the last 10. One will be eliminated tonight. One more tomorrow with the wild card games. Yankees, Red Sox tonight, Dodgers, Cardinals tomorrow, and then the the, uh, divisional series will get going uh, starting on uh, Thursday. So there we go. Uh, Last night, Monday Night Football, Raiders, Chargers. Um, Interesting game for for a couple of reasons to me, in my my opinion. Uh, This was a missed opportunity by the Raiders. I think the Chargers came in with a a ton of confidence. This was a team that played so well a week ago against the Chiefs. The Raiders have found ways to regroup and, and get through some of these slow starts. But they just dug themselves such an awful, awful hole. And that was one of the worst first halves I think they've ever played. They had a first down, what was it, 51 total yards of offense and 53 yards in penalties. While the Chargers were over 200 and moving the ball effectively. And, and by the end of the night, again, I, this is more of a game that the Chargers deserve to win. They outplayed the Raiders. Now, the Raiders, to their credit, made this a game when it didn't seem like it looked like it might completely get out of hand and be one of those really embarrassing nights for them. Unfortunately for them, it was just an embarrassing half. After that, they did do a good job of regrouping, got right back in the game, scored their first two possessions, and got a stop and had the ball again going in for the tie. The fan base there, We'd said yesterday, Chris sent me that stat, was it 70% tickets sold for for Raider fans? They were energetic, engaged into the game, and you could just sense the momentum had shifted. The bad half was gone. Here come the Raiders. Can they do it again? Carr has done it so far this year, leading these comebacks, and they were going right down that same familiar road. Unfortunately, it came up short, and there's a couple of things that I thought hurt the Raiders last night that will go into a little more detail here. But first, let's hear from John Gruden about the game. Uh, We cannot come out and uh, take that many punches in the first round. And that was ridiculous tonight. They got on us and they got after us in all three phases. And uh, we found a way to make it a football game and give ourselves a chance. But it's just too hard in this league against good teams. Yep, he's right. But it was was more self-inflicted yesterday for the Raiders. Here's more from Gruden. We had penalties that were ridiculous. We gave up some plays in a passing game today that you can't give up. We didn't play well in the first half. No, and the second half was better, but certainly don't get confused. It was not perfect by any means, and so the Raiders lose for the first time this year. What's the player reaction? Here's quarterback Derek Carr. It's better now than later, you know. I think, if anything, you know, this hopefully wakes us up a little bit, if I'm honest. You never want to lose, but it's hard to win in this league. It is, and Carr's played better, right? Carr's played at an MVP level. He wasn't he wasn't the best version of himself last night. Didn't get to 200 yards. Had a brutal first half. Line didn't protect him as well. Running game, yeah, they got Josh Jacobs back. It didn't develop, and I know tomorrow we'll talk more about that with Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln has said and stated it's been more of an offensive line issue. I mean, Peyton Barber, the week before, goes for over 100 yards. He ran one time yesterday. Now, part of that... The, game, the Raiders got behind schedule, got behind the game, penalties, down two scores early, then ultimately down three scores. Uh, the Chargers did a really good job on Waller, kept him controlled. I mean, even the touchdown he caught that was well defended, 
That's just an athlete making a play. So the Raiders didn't do enough to bother Herbert, who didn't throw an interception, got three good looks at a touchdown, got sacked a couple times, but Herbert was great. Eckler, career high, 117 rushing yards on just 15 attempts. So the Chargers were the better team yesterday. But here's a couple of things back to what I have been saying about coaching aggressively and why I think Brandon Staley, so far in the few games I've seen him coach, he is going for it. And I love it. So last night, let's take you back to a couple of moments. 14 to nothing Chargers in the first half. Raiders are not playing well. Still have just the one first down. And then they thought they got their second first down. I don't know if you remember this play, but it's a little over two minutes to go. Jacobs runs off the left side and kind of falls and does a little army crawl to get past the first down marker. Officials rule that a first down. Here's a, here's a part of being an aggressive coach. Chargers are up 14 nothing, Feeling pretty good. Raiders are... In an ideal world, the Raiders are going to go forward and score to make it a closer game, field goal or touchdown, and expire the first half clock and make sure the the Chargers don't have the ball again. Second opportunity, though, is maybe they don't score, but just chew up more time, and when you give the ball back to the Chargers, they just can't do much with it. Well, Coach Daly senses that as well. Thought the spot was a little generous. Challenges the play, and it's overturned. They spot him inches behind the first down and the Raiders I get I'm not blaming John Gruden on this one for punting there because it's fourth and less than a yard but you're inside I don't know they might have been inside their 20 or inside the 25 let's say for sure and they elected to punt well this left over two minutes and of course this is another drive where the Chargers move the ball and add on and I think that third score was a killer so now it's 21 nothing all right that's just one version of Coach Daly being not necessarily aggressive, but perceptive of the situation and saying, you know what, I'm willing to challenge here because I think this is that important of a play. It worked out for him. Second half, we mentioned the Raiders. Boom, go down the field and score. Get a stop. Boom, Raiders go down the field and score again. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute. The Raiders have woken up. It's 21-14. The Raiders got yet another stop. Now they have the ball. This is the series that I'm talking about. And the Raiders are on the move. It's 21-14. Derek Carr gets sacked on third down. It sets up a fourth and nine, which, again, very risky to go for it. Daniel Carlson has been a very good field goal kicker. It's a long kick. You're not going to punt. I mean, you're not punting there. That that didn't make any sense, and they didn't elect to do that. They elected to kick the field goal. Carlson missed. Okay, still a one-score game, 21-14. An aggressive, really aggressive coach goes for it. I'm not entirely blaming Gruden there, but let's give you the contrast. Chargers are the team that's leading, right? They get the missed field goal, take over there, get a couple of plays, and they have a fourth and two, up seven, near midfield. They throw it. They go for it without hesitation. We're going to get a first down on you. And they did. It was well defended, but it was Jared Cook, who was the target, who had a big game. And the Chargers and Coach Daly said, we are attacking the game. We're going to do this on our terms. And if I miss the third down, a fourth down, yeah, it's your ball. But I also believe in my defense. And I just think that is a winning approach. You can't be reckless. That's not reckless. And maybe a fourth and nine would have been considered reckless by Gruden. But I think every time the Raiders had a chance to be the more aggressive team, especially when you're trailing, 
they didn't do it. The Chargers had the lead, more to lose. They said, no, we're going for it. We're going to end this here. The fourth down didn't end it, but it kept the drive alive. They're in the fourth quarter, under 10 minutes to go. They continue to move it, and they ultimately score at that drive. Now it's 28-14. Game's not over, but it's a pretty tough situation. And then after that is when Carr threw the pick, and now it's game, set, and match. So I'm a fan of Coach Daly doing that. I think I've seen him do that now multiple times, and it's been the right approach for his team. And now that's in the team's DNA. And it doesn't need to be – I don't know that he's a gambler. I just think that's what he's going to do. And there will be times where conventional wisdom will say, that's risky. If you're confident and you're running your best play, fourth and two, and you put it in the hands of a, a good young quarterback – to a reliable veteran receiver, I think more times than not, you're going to come out on the right side of that. And players, I think they do question decisions that are made by coaches, but if they're sound and made with logic behind them and belief in you, I don't think players get upset by that. I think that's the right approach. I think there's you can't coach out of fear. you got to believe in what you got play to your strengths, let your players make those plays. And I think they appreciate it. And sure, they'll get burned a time or two, but you also get burned when you when you sit back and you play conservative, you play prevent defense, whatever the different ways there are in every sport to just go, all right, we just got to hang on. No, there's no hanging on. How did you get that lead? How did you do it? Be the better team, attack the game. And I just love that. Here's a coach Daly talking about the division, right? I mean, They just got the win against the Chiefs. Now they've beaten the Raiders. They're still tied with the Broncos. And the Chiefs won game back. Coach Daly talking about the – was addressed and talked to about the AFC West. I think it's so early. What's expressed itself through four weeks is that the AFC West is loaded. We've got four really, really good teams. It's just one of those divisions where a lot of good football is being played. There's a lot of good coaches and there's a lot of premium players, a lot of good quarterbacks and really good defenses. So as the season goes on, it's going to be one of the premium divisions in football. And I think they've got a lot of those elements, a good coach, a good defense, a good young quarterback. They've got some things to be excited about with the Chargers. And the Raiders should feel good, too. I mean, this was a loss. They deserve to lose. But 3-1, and one, made the history right before that where they beat all those 10-win teams to start the year. And the important thing is don't, don't turn this into a streak. That's what the Raiders did last year where they would, okay, this looks like they might be a playoff team. Then they fizzled. You got the Bears this week. Bounce back. Take care of Chicago. Get yourself to 4-1. and one. And then next time you get the Chargers, playing better. You got two matchups with the Chiefs. You still got two with the Broncos. There's a long season to go. Uh, As far as the Chargers go, they got it done. They know they were playing at home, though it felt like a Raider crowd. Here's Justin Herbert after the game. We're so thankful for the Chargers fans that showed up. I think it's a great opportunity to go out there and play a a really good football team. Yeah, I think that's still a weird situation for them. But it's a reality that they have with the L.A. Chargers. So a night that could have been better for the Raiders, certainly the, the slow start, especially when they addressed it. we got to start fast. we got to start fast. And that's what they come out with. Impressed that they regrouped. But we'll see what they learned going into the Bears uh, this week. Also, one other note from the NFL before we break here. The Chiefs today now have promoted Josh Gordon to the 53-man roster. So it went from signing him to now he's going to be a part of this group going forward to that uh, dynamic offense already. All right, when we come back, NFL, top five, bottom five. Who are the five best? Who are the five worst? Now that we've seen four weeks of action, we'll give you our list when we come back here on KHDK.
That's right. Who's hot? Who's not? Top five, bottom five coming up here in the National Football League. As we finished up another week, week four, some good games coming up this week, including Sunday night here on KHDK. Woo! Chiefs and Bills. That's going to be awesome. That is going to be a great game coming up on uh, Sunday night football. Some others to watch. We mentioned last week kind of the showcase of the NFC West. We've got that again. Thursday night football this week. Rams and Seahawks. And then the 49ers and Cardinals. So two straight weeks, that division is spotlight is on the spotlight. And uh, last week, we saw how that shook out. We'll see what happens this week uh, when those uh, four teams hook up yet again. All right, let's give you those uh, top five and bottom five. I felt the bottom five was a little bit easier to sort through this week than the top five. Um, some new names, some new teams entering each of these positions. A lot of the NFL has played in between, right? And now that we've made it through four weeks, one of the things that's great about the league is there's one undefeated team left, and there's two teams left that haven't won. It's, it's why people always say it, and people ah, it's not that hard to win the NFL. It's hard to win in the NFL. It is. There's some really good teams this year, and there's one that's undefeated. And I think there's some bad teams. Right now we still see Detroit and Jacksonville without a win. So we'll see as the year and the season goes along so working from the five worst at 28 the fifth worst team to me on my list this week first time they've made it here i'm putting in the miami dolphins i was really debating between the dolphins and the steelers steelers have really struggled the last couple of weeks and i wonder the direction they're going but miami has just been so inept offensively they won their first game by a point beat the steel uh, beat the patriots and then now they've lost three in a row haven't been as competitive as they should have been colts just got their first win against them had opportunities against the Raiders, didn't win that. Just really been disappointed in what they've bounced back from a year where it was a nice surprise with what we saw with the Miami Dolphins. So through four games, they're one and three. I think it's been a disappointment. I put them as the fifth worst team in the NFL to date right now at this point. The fourth worst team. I had them out of there last week, but they're going back in partly because they don't have a win. And I have been impressed by Detroit. But no, not last week. I thought they had a really good chance to beat the Chicago Bears, maybe take advantage of Justin Fields, and they didn't. They've been competitive at times in just about every game, but you can't keep losing and losing by double figures. They're 0-4. The balance is there, 0-2 at home, 0-2 on the road, lost all different kinds of teams. Um, Being outscored, obviously, continuously, 81 points scored, 119 allowed. Yeah, feels right. Feels right to put them as the fourth worst team. That means some teams are worse than them on my list that have a win, but I think Detroit would maybe beat these teams. So at 30th, which is the third worst team, Atlanta. The Falcons, one and three. I don't know. What are they good at? What are the Falcons good at? That's the thing when you're kind of looking at a team. Maybe they got a good defense. Maybe they got a good offense but can't work on the other side. What are they good at? Lost to the Eagles badly. Bucks put up a ton of points on them. Found a way to beat the Giants and then just lost to Washington. Now they get the Jets and then the Dolphins. I mean, there's, there's opportunity here for them to get things right. I don't know if they're going to get things right. So I put them at 30. The Jets, by the way, got that first win, and they've been a regular here in the bottom five, but I moved them out because of that win. The Texans, it's not a good football team. A little bit of a team in disarray. And Davis Mills, who was filling in for the injured Tyrod Taylor, looked a lot like a rookie NFL quarterback 
in this game against the Buffalo Bills. They couldn't score. They played a great team. They lost 40 to nothing. No chance to win. Easy win for Buffalo. Texans, it's brutal. It's just a talent problem. They don't have enough of it, so they go as the fourth or as the second worst team, right? The 31st. Now, number 32, dead last, Jacksonville. You got the Urban Meyer controversy you're you're working on right now when your owner doesn't really come out to support him at all. is giving him another opportunity to earn that trust and respect. But it's a personnel problem. Now it seems like they've got a coaching problem with the players based on Urban Meyer last week. They've got a mess on their hands. And Jacksonville won in week one last year. It's the last time they won. Lost 15 consecutive games. They've lost the first four. They really competed last week on Thursday night. I did not think they would beat the Bengals, and they probably should have, but they didn't. So now they can't even break through and get those kind of wins. So Jacksonville, you wonder, okay, when is that win going to come? Titans, Dolphins, Seahawks, Bills. Man, those are the next four. Got to keep going. Sometimes you can't see it on the schedule. We'll see if Jacksonville can break through. All right, let's go to the top five. So we gave you the bottom five. Again, that was the Dolphins, Lions, Falcons, Texans, and the worst, the Jags. Top five. How about them Cowboys? I've been impressed with Dallas. I've been saying that. I didn't have high hopes really for them coming in. I thought they could win the division, but that didn't say much. It's not a great division. Eagles are kind of retooling. Giants have been the worst team in the NFL. Win win and loss record-wise the last five years, though it doesn't seem like it, but they have been. Uh, Washington's football team's working on things. Defense pretty good. And then the Cowboys. They've spent the money. They've got the key position players. And their most important position players, Dak Prescott, and he's playing great. And the Cowboys scored 36 points on the number one defense in the league in the Panthers. Scored a bunch and could have beat the Buccaneers. Beat the Chargers. And beat the Eagles by 20. I like what I've seen. I mean, I, I again, not a perfect football team. But Dallas has looked really good in their four games. So maybe they should even be higher than five, but I'm going to put them at five because the team I'm putting at four is Tampa. Tampa won. I didn't like the way they played. They found a way in the Brady-Belichick game. But Tampa, I'm putting them above just because they beat Dallas. I think Dallas has probably been more consistent. Tampa's been a little bit up and down. And obviously they're coming off that loss to the Rams. And then the bounce back was that performance against the Patriots. But we're putting them at four. Last week, I had my one-two as the Rams and the Cardinals. And part of that was, hey, look, they're going to play each other. It'll sort itself out. Well, Arizona stayed perfect. You know where they're going to be. Rams will drop them to three. That wasn't a good game for the Rams. And when we talked to Chris Landry last week, and we'll visit with him again tomorrow, he said, watch out for a potential letdown. He was right. It was a major letdown by the Rams. Didn't have a chance to win that game. Cardinals really thrived in that one. And, uh... We'll see if they can get to 5-0, and the Cardinals, when they get the Niners this week. But the Rams will look to bounce back. Short week, Seattle, Thursday night. So for now, I've got the Rams at three. My Super Bowl champs, Buffalo. Two of the last three weeks, pitching shutouts. This team is good. Big fan of Josh Allen. A fan of just this overall team. And I think the matchup they've got this weekend is the game that I'm most looking forward to with the Bills and the Chiefs. And I like that team that's doing the chasing. Because Buffalo wants to get to where Kansas City has been. 
And Buffalo, after that weird opener against the Steelers, 35-0 to the Dolphins, 43-21 thrashing of Washington, and 40 to nothing last week. So I think they have established themselves, certainly in their division, they're, they're the team to beat there. But in the AFC and maybe the NFL, can they beat that team to beat? They're going to be tough. They're going to be really be tough. And I'm anxious for that game Sunday night, Chiefs and the Bills. And certainly the Chiefs can get back in this top five before long because there's a lot of talent on that team. And number one, yeah, I'm going to reward them. Arizona, only undefeated team. Quality win against the Rams. Love their week one win and their week four win. The stuff in between, probably should have lost to the Vikings, but they won, and they were okay against Jacksonville. But you, that's the NFL. You're never perfect each week. But I got the Cardinals at number one. I think you've got a team on there on your top five that's going to drop. Quickly? And then I think one of your teams that aren't on there is going to take their spot. Uh, who are you <clears throat> saying is going to drop? The Bills. Why? They're going to lose. To the Chiefs? Okay. To one Patrick Lavon Mahomes the second. The two and two Chiefs? Uh hey, look how good they were when they weren't having their players just throw the ball away. Oh, you mean Patrick Mahomes throwing no, the ball? No, not him throwing the ball away. Oh. The other guys losing the ball. <laughs> uh Chiefs are good. Chiefs are very good. Uh lost. Wow. They are. The way that you talk about them. Two and two. Should have lost to the Browns in week You're one. You're acting like they're the Seahawks. <laughs> You're acting like I'm acting like they're the Seahawks. Um, this weekend will be fun. I, I, I really want to see that matchup. I think that's one of the best matchups the league can provide right now is the Bills and the Chiefs, and that's going to be Sunday night. I think it's going to be awesome. And in the end, whoever wins gets a little bit of a leg up. It gives us a different opinion on the teams. But I am not going to be shocked at all if we don't see those teams again in the final game in the AFC, in the AFC Championship, could be the Bills and the Chiefs. But it's Sunday night. That's a good one. So top five, Cowboys, Bucks, Rams, Buffalo, and Arizona uh, right now in that top five. All right, when we come back, the baseball playoffs are almost here. The American League wild card gets us started tonight with the Yankees and the Red Sox. We'll get the keys to this postseason with Greg Vaughn, former Major League Baseball player, uh, friend of the show. We love Greg Vaughn. He will join us when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Jason Ross here with you. We will get to Greg Vaughn here in just a few moments. As uh, we look forward to checking with him as the Major League Baseball playoffs about to begin with the Yankees and the Red Sox. We do encourage you right now to, or at any time today, to go to khtk.com, participate in our daily over-under, which it's very simple. We have a topic there, and all you have to do is participate. Vote over or vote under. And today's category is with the AL wildcard game. Garrett Cole, who's pitching for the Yankees, his innings pitched at five and two-thirds. Over or under? What do you weigh in there? And if you do, you participate, that's all you have to do. You have a chance to qualify for a gift certificate from Twin Peaks, $50 gift certificate. Right now, it looks like overwhelming support for the over for Garrett Cole in five and two-thirds. Well, that would be go a long way for the New York Yankees, for sure if they're able to get this done with him going that far into a game. But we'll see. The other thing, there's so many things that have changed in baseball in the last couple of years 
Um, I was just looking at this and telling Chris this during the break that tonight's starting lineups for both the Yankees and the Red Sox. Here's another maybe not so subtle area of where the game has changed. The leadoff hitter for the Yankees today is going to be Anthony Rizzo, former Cub. So a guy that can mash a little bit. He certainly can get on base, but not your traditional leadoff hitter. Your leadoff hitter for the Boston Red Sox today is Kyle Schwarber. Definitely a guy that, I mean, he had that run during the regular season where he was hitting home runs every day. So I I know there's probably some metrics that suggest batting those guys early gets them another plate appearance, right? More likely when you're at the top of the order. But where's the day of the, the table setters? The people that get on base in different ways. One, whether they've got a great average, great eye, um, the ability to steal, to become, like we used to always say, the Ricky run, right? Ricky Henderson, get on base via a walker base hit. You can almost guarantee he's getting to second and maybe even to third, while all while the second batter is still up. Then a sack fly, ground out, whatever. There's a Ricky run. He produced it all by himself. Now these leadoff hitters, at least in this particular wild card matchup, um, certainly can get on, but you're not expecting either one to steal, and that's really not where a lot of baseball is being played anymore. There are a few teams that still play that way, and I think they stick out now. Remember when the A's a few weeks back were playing the Royals? And here's a team that's taking pitches, getting on base, and then moving runners, whether that's sacrifices or hit run or stolen base. That just doesn't happen nearly uh, as much as we've used to uh, used to see. And maybe it'll cycle through. Maybe we'll see that change over time. And also, it could be, what are these analytics telling GMs? Are they even looking for players like that? You know they're always looking for arms. And now it seems to be, you got to throw high 90s, if not 100, especially if you're coming out of the pen. And that used to be such a rarity. There's maybe one, two people that could do that in the majors. Now there's three and four on teams. And I think baseball had a good year. I really do. And I know it's not a sport for everybody anymore. It used to be. Bums me out a little bit. But it's not. I I don't know if it's our attention span. I don't know what it is about baseball that has changed in pop culture. I guess the, the, the. the popularity of, of the masses, it's for older fans, seemingly. And now I hope at least people will appreciate postseason baseball because you're down to the final 10. The American League, you got the Yankees and the Red Sox, which there's some great theater in that. Tampa Bay, another 100-win team. Dusty Baker, Tony La Russa in that other series, Houston and Chicago. So you get some some good markets, some experienced teams, experienced managers. National League, of course, the Dodgers as the defending champs in St. Louis in a wild card game tomorrow. The Giants in their historically great year. They have to wait for that winner. And the Brewers and the Braves. I think there's good teams. There was good things that happened this year. Uh, for the Blue Jays to have two 45 home run hitters, and Vlad Guerrero and Simeon, which Shohei Otani did through the bulk of the entirety of the season, was amazing. And they got through all the games, and it felt like more of a quote-unquote normal baseball season. And so now I hope it leads us to what is the best part of baseball, which is the playoffs, which is the, wow, did you see that? 
I remember last year, one of those moments happened in, was that game four of the Rays and the Dodgers? Just an absolute classic. And then you get Brandon Phillips coming in here. Um, Is it Brandon? I think it was Phillips for sure for the Rays that came in there and got the walk-off hit and just kept running in the outfield while his teammates were running after him. You had the Dodgers coming from 3-1 back on the Braves. You just get a lot of moments in which hero will come aboard, right? You look at a lineup. Naturally, you're going to look at, let's say, like the Yankees tonight. I see Judge and I see Stanton and Rizzo and Gallo. But is it Gardner? That gets the big hit. Ursula that gets the big hit. For the Red Sox, naturally, you look at, well, now that J.D. Martinez is out, you look at other players and think, who's going to come through? You know, Devers and, and, and names that you're kind of expecting, but it could be someone else that gets the big hit. And to me, that is the charm of the sport. Of You don't know who, who or when and what is the big hit. And when you watch baseball in April and in May, yes, it's the same game now, but... The first inning could be a high leverage situation and you don't feel as stressed about it for a A's twins game in April, right? It's like, oh well, I hope they figure this out. It's it's not the same. It's played differently, especially tonight in a winner take all wildcard game. And while both teams have the staff aces that they want on there in Garrett Cole and Nathan Ivaldi. It's got to be one of those games, as they say, all hands on deck. If they've got to go uh, to another starter, just to you don't care about the next series tonight. That's why you love to avoid the wild card game, amongst other reasons, because one bad day and you're out. But you just need to advance. You worry about the next series when you get there. That's the charm that the Giants have and the Rays have. They watch these two teams play. They know they're getting the winner, but they can have themselves set up as best they can going into that division series. The five-gamer, that'll begin for the American League, what, on Thursday, and the Giants, they they get to wait till Friday. So I, I think it just becomes that situation, whatever is needed tonight. Then managerial moves, those are the things to watch. How quickly, who went to the bullpen first and why? Was that a situation they could have hung on longer? How many times have we seen a manager stick too long with a pitcher and not put their team in the best chance to win. That happens a lot. And as much as we all will sit at home, I remember um, the Blake Snell game a year ago, and Kevin Cash came out and defended that. I I thought he mis, misplayed it. He was just absolutely cruising. And to me, what the telling thing was in that game and from the World Series was the Dodgers' reaction. You can tell by your opponent. Players know. Talent knows. And they said, good gosh, I'm so glad we got He He had it. We couldn't hit him. We couldn't see him. We weren't hitting him. He, we weren't effective. And they were happy. And the race bullpen is good. It's really good. But they wanted to see someone else. And the Dodgers already just felt better there. They relaxed a little bit more. Not that it's easy to hit that race bullpen. But that told you, to me, that it was the wrong choice to make that decision. And Kevin Cash and the Rays had to live with it. And it obviously burnt them. So... When are those decisions made? Are they made expertly? I mean, you want to hope that your manager has sound, rational thinking behind it, maybe some numbers and analytics and belief behind it as well. 
but it just becomes so crucial on making those right moves. And then, let's be honest, the way baseball goes, are you hitting the ball? Are you barreling up and hitting it right on the screws, but it goes right to the other team? Versus, oh, broken bat, flare, little floater that falls in for the key hit at the right time. Unless it's going out of the park, it doesn't matter how you hit it. Smash down the line for two, great. But you can also hit a little flare away from a shift that drops in and spins away from the outfielder, and it's also a double. Do you get the breaks? Do you make all the key defensive plays? There's a lot to watch in these games, and I think that's what gives it the ultimate theater, and that's why in a one-game situation like tonight and tomorrow – the ultimate stress is there. It's the equivalent of a game seven. It's, you know, all the cliches, winner take all, loser goes home, you know, all that stuff. All true. Who gets tight? Who rises up to the moment? That's what makes it great. I'm really looking forward to this. And I said yesterday, and, and uh, you know, when we get Greg here, I'm, look, I'm anxious to hear his, his take on this. But I firmly believe, after doing a, a deeper dive on all these teams and watching them a lot this year, I, I think in the American League, not just because they had the best record, Tampa Bay is the most complete baseball team. I think they've got an excellent chance of getting through this. I think the Yankees can do it too, and that's not speaking from a fan perspective. I think when the Yankees are right, they're as good as anybody in baseball. Their problem, they've been incredibly inconsistent, streaky. Right, That's what we've seen from the Yankees. There was a pocket of the season. Look out. Here comes New York. They're all clicking. They got Gallo. They got Rizzo. Pitching staff's going. Bullpen was strong. I think they won 11-12, something like that in a row. And then they were just kind of okay. So they have the ability to be both teams. And I don't know what version they're going to be, but if they're right, they can do it. They really can. They've got the makeup and the roster to do it. But I feel like in the American League, Tampa Bay is the best chance. Then I would say New York. Um, Chicago's really pretty good. The White Sox are good, and Tony La Russa might be, of all things, as weird as this may be to say, the X Factor. Tony La Russa's managed a long time and a lot of games, and what everybody was worried about when Tony La Russa first got to the White Sox, it was a curious move. They had made the playoffs last year, but he's now brought in to advance them. His expertise, his experience. The concern was, can he manage now with his age and where the players are, the gap that he's been away from baseball, well, that part maybe has been solved or resolved, right? Because they've made it here to the playoffs. Now it's when can he make the right moves? And more times than not, in his postseason career, he has. When he's, especially when he's had a good roster. He's got a good roster now. So, if they, like, Chicago would have a shot. Houston, I told you before, big fan of Dusty Baker. I really would like it to work well for him, but I don't know if it will. And then Boston, obviously tonight, I think there's no doubt they could beat the Yankees in a one-game set. I do not think they would beat Tampa Bay so that's kind of how I look at the American League picture the National League has a few more options to me again I think the American League I'm looking at Tampa and I'm looking at the Yankees as the best chances to come out of there the National League back to their one game wild card situation here's the Dodgers and the Cardinals Cardinals are that team that nobody wants to face They won 17 in a row. The history of that franchise, a proud, historically good franchise, 
No team had ever done that. Even their World Series winning teams, none of them had ever done that. But this team did that. So, And they did it just recently. So I don't think it's a team the Dodgers are looking forward to playing. It's just a team they have to play. As much as the concern for the Dodgers has to be getting through with Scherzer tomorrow, the Dodgers are more than capable of winning this whole thing. That roster is so good. And I think about L.A. when they were the favorite coming in. They're the defending World Series champs. They've had a season with not really turmoil, but injuries. Some bullpen questions back at the back end with, really with Jansen, sometimes with Trina, but really Jansen. Cody Bellinger forgot how to hit completely. He didn't even know how to hit anymore. Hitting below 200 for the majority of the season. This was one of the young up-and-coming stars and prospects of the league that people were talking about as, as could be one of the great Dodgers ever, and he still can be all that. Just had just a brutal year. All those things with all those injuries. And they got 106 wins. And if it wasn't for an historically great year by the Giants, they'd be the best record in baseball when there were things that didn't look good for this team. The Giants obviously can do it. Consistency with their lineup. Consistency with how they played each and every game. The best month every year. First to 50 wins, 60 wins, 70 wins, 80 wins, 90 wins, and 100 wins. Giants consistently good. And then I, I watch out for the Brewers, too. That pitching staff, I like that matchup against the Braves. I think there's some things to watch there. All right, let's get more detail on this from our guy, former major leaguer, friend of the show. He's back with us, the great Greg Vaughn. Greg, how are you? Hey, what's up, Jason? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm excited. Baseball is here. Um, I got to ask you this. As a, as a longtime player, are you a fan, just a fan of the one-game wild card playoff? Well, I, I, it makes it interesting. It makes it fun. You know what I mean? Uh, that's about the only thing I'm a fan of since they changed. But, yeah, that's – I mean, I love it. Yeah. I think it adds a little bit of excitement, you know, that anticipation towards the end of the year. I mean, you know, all the games. Look at all the games this weekend that meant something. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, I think it's good for baseball. Well, tonight we got Yankees, Red Sox. Tomorrow we got the Cardinals and the Dodgers. We'll get into those in a moment. One thing I was just talking about, Greg, that – you know, baseball goes through different cycles and things change. We know, I know when you were in here a few weeks ago, we were talking about how it's become such a home run or strikeout offense. I'm looking at tonight's starting lineups for the, or excuse me, for the Yankees and the Red Sox and Kyle Schwarber's leading off for the Red Sox. He's a guy who can mash. And then Rizzo for the Yankees. Are the, are the table setter guys gone or is this just kind of a circumstance with the, the Yankees and Red Sox? You know what? I, I can't even answer that. I, I have no idea. I, you know, I think it's just, you know, I guess, you know, some guy that went to Harvard or Yale figured out all the numbers <laughs> and figured that these guys give you the best chance to win. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. As a, You know, the stolen base isn't really a factor anymore. I played, you know, those table setters got on. You know, that guy, you know, they wanted to keep him from advancing. So, you know, it gave us a little, you know, some, some better pitches to hit sometimes. Yep. You know, you know, now, like I said, I don't think anyone's playing for, you know, the, you know, the old ball. Everything they, you know, or even a solo home run. Look how many guys said right. 30, 40 home, 30, 40 home runs and had 60 RBIs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and for you, Greg, I, I think about a guy who hit at one point 50 homers in the league. I think it depends on what team you're on present day, but 
man, maybe you'd be batting first as a guy that could hit 50 out, but hey, we want to get another plate appearance for him and see if he can hit maybe a solo home run or the back end of the lineup gets on and you knock in a couple that way. It's just a, it's a different game right now. It is, you know, it's hard to understand. I think, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, the fans are coming and people are liking it. And I think people, you know, are just excited to get back in in the stadiums. And, uh, you know, I'm a lifelong Giants fan, even though, you know, I played in the, you know, against them in the West and against them in the National League. I'm a Giants fan, but also, you know, hey, the Brew Crew, I had eight yeah. years there. I, 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 I think the, the crew has a good shot to to go all the way if you look at it from, you know, top to bottom. Yep. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, th- I think the crew's solid. But then, too, if, if the Yankees get past this, these guys and you see uh, Stanton and Judge, you know, all those guys are starting to hit at the right time. And you just get to the sixth inning, I mean, man, that is like <laughs> the sixth inning. Like I said, the pitchers just have to go, you know, four innings nowadays. Right. And they have, you know, and they have – six pitchers to come in and, and, and shut it down. So I think the Yankees bullpen is a lot stronger. I'm at my house in Vegas. I'm driving home right now to watch that game. Yeah, it's we'll good. Watch part of it. Watch part of it. <laughs> well, it's going to be NBA. fun. Yeah. Yankees and Red Sox coming up tomorrow. It's the Cardinals and the Dodgers. How about the Cardinals, Greg? I mean, a team that was kind of floundering through the year, flirting with 500 to win 17 in a row this late in the season. Certainly not someone the Dodgers are looking forward to playing in a one-game winner-take-all. Dodgers are still loaded, but I can't believe the back half of the year that the Cardinals just had. Cardinals are probably one of five organizations, you know, of all time. You know what I mean? The way they do their business, the way they develop. The year. They, uh, nobody wants to play them right now. I know I wouldn't. I mean... They, but it's this year, every single year, they get hot at the right time. You know, they they make their way in there, and, they, you know, they do damage, you know, throughout the playoffs. So, I mean, if I was anybody, I would not want to play the Dodgers. I mean, play the Cardinals. But if anybody can do it, you know, the Dodgers have the talent to do it. Yeah. And and the Giants wait for the winner. What a season for San Francisco. You mentioned being a Giants fan, basically growing up and watching what they've done this year. Uh, in all the years they've been in San Francisco and really the history of the team, 107 wins has never been done. And they kind of did it a little bit differently, Greg. I and mean, they had good pitching. They hit home runs. But they had an older lineup. This wasn't a team that's littered with all these young guys. So they have one of the oldest lineups in baseball. I, I was really impressed with San Francisco all the way through this season. What do you think their chances are in this postseason? Hey, hey you know what? You know, like I said, I spent half the time in Vegas. And I remember just looking at a board, the, the over-under – 61 and a half games they're supposed to win this year. You know Easy what I mean? money. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, and I don't even bet on sports, and I had to make that wager just because, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan. So, I think, you know, it's anyone's shot. I think uh, the Giants have uh, just as good a shot as all the rest of the teams. You know, but this is where experience, too, comes in play. You know, the guys that have been there before, the guys that have done it. You know, I don't know how many players, you know, Crawford's had, I mean, he might be MVP. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, they have some guys that have done it, but, you know, throughout the roster, I think it's going to be a very interesting, uh, you know, playoff series for everyone because everyone's roster is unique and different. Like you said, look at their guys leading off today. They probably have five combined stone bases, right. you know, the whole year. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's a uh, – I think we're losing Greg here. 
work, and you know it might work. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, we kind of lost part of you at the end there. So, Greg, as you look at the field of ten that's left. Yankees, Red Sox, Tampa Bay awaits the winner there. Houston and Chicago in the American League. Nationally, of course, we mentioned the Cardinals and the Dodgers with the Giants waiting the winner of that. And then uh, your Brewers and the Braves. Uh, if you're picking now, who are we seeing in the World Series? Okay. I, get, <laughs> I, 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 I hate to say it, though. It might be the Rays. I'm telling yeah. you, the Rays are unbelievable. I mean, every year, and they just keep bringing player after player up. I think the Rays have a good shot to win it, even though I'd love to see Dusty win a ring. Yeah. But I'm not a fan. Ah, oh, man. I think we're losing Greg. See if we can get his, his <laughs> National League team, because I want to know uh, who he's going to say there in the National League. Because we got the Rays, I think, from the American League. Um, we want to try him again, Chris, or do you think we have that reception? Because I know it was cutting in and out. Um, okay, let's try Greg one more time. Greg, sorry, we were losing your National League pick. We heard the Rays. What did you get there from the National League? Uh, the National League, it's hard to go against the Dodgers. I mean, you know what I mean? It's They're built for this. So, you know, it just depends. Who, and, and they added probably the best pitcher. You know, know, now that the groan went down, you know, it's sure. I mean, there's a big the Rays probably. Yeah, which would be a repeat of uh, of last year. Greg, thank you so much. I know we were kind of losing some of our reception there. That's Greg Vaughn going Rays and Dodgers, um, though the Giants, oh man, what a season they had. And I, I'm just so looking forward to this. Right now they're going through introductions, all the fanfare, all that stuff there at Fenway Park. And you can only imagine, I, I, I would say this as a Yankee fan like my entire life, and I've been privileged enough to go to – a lot of the Major League Baseball parks, not all of them, but I got to tell you, my favorite experience I think I've ever had was at Fenway. I think that's an amazing park. Fan base is into it. They're obviously going to be going nuts tonight. There'll be Yankee fans there. There's some envy that Boston fans have of New York, whatever that is. There's just there's stuff. There's just all sorts of stuff. And there is this is truly hatred in a rivalry. Like sometimes, like, oh, it's kind of a friendly rival. Oh, no. they. I, I feel like the Red Sox fans hate the Yankees I don't know if the Yankees fans hate the Red Sox as much but I think there's there's hatred there yeah I just don't I don't think it's like it used to be back in the 70s and 80s even like the early 2000s yeah like an old Yankee stadium they would fight yeah and push down Zimmer (laughs) he deserved it punch A-Rod in the face he deserved it okay see it oh but I think we need to remind the listeners that we're going to have their updates of the game. Yes. So when this game gets going shortly after five o'clock, we will continue to update you on any moment. And this will be if uh, something good happens for the Yankees. Oh, forget about it. Now you definitely know that's something good happening for the Yankees. Yes. And, when Boston has an opportunity and something good happens for them. He went yard on that one. Do they always have to go yard? Oh, yeah. Okay. So it can't be a defensive play. Uh, I mean, maybe. We'll okay. just see how it is. We'll have to explain if it does happen. But uh, we will see the Major League Baseball playoffs about to begin uh, in our final hour. We certainly will keep you up to date on all the happenings there. In this one. So, yeah. Eight. Okay, so, Chris, this one's going to start at, I think, first pitch is technically, like, 
5.08 our time, 8.08 there. They're, this one's going past midnight for sure. Oh, yeah. Without extra innings, I mean, the Yankees, I can't remember what game it was. I want to say it was a, just a regular season game, and I was with the Kings somewhere traveling. So it might have been like April or something like that. And Yankees and Red Sox were playing, and it was the night before a Kings game. And I remember the game was on. I said, okay, then went, did things, had dinner, came back. Said, oh, yeah, I wonder who won the game. And it was like in the seventh inning. <laughs> They're still playing? Man, this game's already been like four hours plus long. And uh, expect a lot of pitches in this one. We'll see how this one uh, ultimately goes. Thanks again to Greg Vaughn. Apologize there for a couple of our uh, glitches there on the phone. But good to get his insight. He's looking at Tampa Bay and the Dodgers, which would be a repeat of last year's World Series, which actually was very high-level baseball. All right, final hour coming up still to get to the crossover. Also in this hour, we'll have a chance for you to win a pair of tickets to see the Eagles coming up October 12th, week from today at Golden One Center. For more tickets and more information, visit khk.com. That's coming up in this next segment. But when we come back, Kings preseason game number one in the books. The Kings looked pretty good last night. We'll give you some takeaways from that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHTK.